You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music! I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Ray Worthington, OmniGraphle engineer. Say hello, Ray. Hello, Ray. So, Ray, you are, as I only just said, an OmniGraphle engineer. <laughs> and lately you've been working in dark mode. Is that correct? Adding dark mode support to it is. OmniGraphle? I told some of my teammates on Graphle that um, I was working on dark mode and that I had been pegged to work on dark mode for OmniPlan as well. And Reed's response was, you're the sorceress of darkness. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So that's what I've been kind of taken as my title for the moment. In the studio with me today is the sorceress of darkness. Yes. OmniGraphle engineer. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so how did it go uh, doing dark mode with OmniGraphle? Uh, it's a pretty big app. A lot of UI, inspectors, sidebars, content area, popovers. So there's that kind of ridiculous comment that Apple makes every once in a while about it just works. Ah, uh, yeah, right. And a decent amount of it just worked, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice. And a lot of credit to that goes to previous work on Vibrancy, and Ryan did a lot of stuff on that in earlier releases. So and things, Apple kind of prepares us in advance in a way, sure. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes you kind of look back and you're like, oh, that's what they were aiming for. I see. So in this case, a lot of the vibrancy work that was introduced in, was it in Sierra and High Sierra? Probably. Yosemite, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It all blurs together at some point. Made this a lot easier because visual effect views were already a thing and materials were already a thing. There were definitely things that needed adjusted, though. Mm. We definitely had places where we had the very exact shade of gray that we wanted for the background of this button. So for I started out like, okay, I'll preserve this very exact shade of gray. It'll be great. No, terrible idea. Just didn't look good? Or? Well, it wasn't even that it just didn't look good, but everything that we do custom has to be maintained. Mm. And mm. so as I started working with uh, Joel, who was kind of my dark mode partner in crime. He's the sorcerer of dark mode. Yes, really, indeed. Of darkness, yeah. Mm. It was like, no, just use what the system has. Just use what the system has. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. That's yeah, so yeah. much easier because you can define colors in a way that you can set a dark mode alternative and a high contrast Oh, for dark like mode. custom colors? Yeah, yeah, but doing that with the sheer quantity of little fiddly, this color should be gray at 70%, Mm, you know, and 30% opaque, or we could just use the background color for the control that is everywhere else on the system. And I guess there's also the high contrast modes too. There is. So it's really like four modes. Yeah. There are currently four different appearance classes that Apple supports, but it's definitely written in such a way that, there could be more. Mm-hmm. I don't sure. know what that would be, but you know, maybe there's more accessibility stuff. Uh, maybe there's a colorblind mode that'll come up later or something. Oh, you know, that's a great point. And I mean, I'm trying pretty hard to make sure I don't write that kind of stuff out at this mm-hmm. point, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah. The really interesting question with dark mode is where do we let the system choose your colors and where do we let the user's preferences shine through? Mm-hmm. 
So with OmniGraffle, we have a default canvas color, right? That's white. Like when you make a new Graffle document, you have a white screen in front of you and you can drop sure. shapes and lines and everything and customize from there. But in a new document in dark mode, should that be black? Yeah. Wow, that's a great What question. color is the corkboard behind it, right? right. The, the void. And if you start a document in dark mode and it's black by default, and you switch to light mode, should it switch? Exactly. Check if you what happens if you color? send it to a coworker, yeah, and they're right. not in dark mode. Right. A lot of questions, right? So where we landed was that we should be predictable. Mm-hmm. We have templates and sample documents that are dark mode friendly, that are that are more dark colors, and use that kind of thing. But whatever is set is what we should use. That makes sense, and that's the rule that we used with Plan as well. So. If you make a new plan document, you can choose the background color that's behind your Gantt view and behind your list of tasks and your list of resources. But if you want to make it bright pink, more power to you. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to change that if you switch your system. Sure. You have your favorite pink, presumably. Yeah. Some people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because... For testing, I'm, I not, don't have a real great eye for complementary colors, which is a real good reason why Joel and the rest of the design department are heroes. So the colors that I tend to use to debug are, you know, bright pink uh, and right. yellow and developer red, which is just this horrible eye bleeding. Mm. <laughs> you know what? I'm weirdly a fan of developer red. I, right. I <laughs> there are certain colors that are programmed in so you can do NS color red color and it's like the reddest red you can red and there's those for all of them and everything but like they're all just offensive colors mm-hmm. <laughs> but which makes them really great debug because no no designer is going to let anything go out with developer green yeah, in it right. it's so extreme horrible. colors I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's all the green and nothing else right yeah, exactly no subtlety or anything to them yeah I used to debug that way Constantly, but now with the view debugger thing in Xcode, I, I resort <laughs> to the coloring thing a little bit less often, <sighs> but it's still useful. Man, the view debugger is great. Unfortunately, when you're working on a beta OS with beta dev tools, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily depend on it. And I certainly had a couple radars open on the view debugger mm. over the course of Xcode 10's development. And part of that, it turns out, was our fault. And I finally, finally, figured out what was causing the problem on our end Mm -hmm. and have since resolved it. But for a while there were certain views that I just could not view debug, Hmm. which is really unfortunate because it was one of the really handy things is you can look at which appearance is being applied to any view because it's got like a CSS style cascading inheritance thing going on. Mm -hmm. And you can set certain views to only be aqua or only be dark aqua so that For example, you don't override users' color choices. Right. So being able to tell at a glance, like, are you doing what you think you're supposed to or are you doing what I actually mean you to Mm -hmm. is really handy. So having that not work was painful. How (laughs) could we make it so that that wouldn't work? The The answer might be difficult, I realize. (laughs) I'm just trying to decide, like, how to explain it, you know? The problem was that we had a memory management issue that happened to be mismanaging a core animation layer. Okay. And so when the view debugger went to interact with the view to split it apart, Mm -hmm. it was hitting a zombie layer. Yeah. And so it exploded with glorious mushroom clouds. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
mm-hmm. which I didn't think was a particularly graceful way to fail, but no. it could have been worse. Xcode didn't crash. So yay. Yeah. Yeah. Beta tools, beta OS. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always fun. And I'm the worst, I'm the worst Luddite for a developer. Like yeah. if I can avoid working on beta tools, I really will just until sure. the very last moment because when it doesn't work, I mean, it's fine to test for Apple and file your radars and be a responsible member of the community, but that ruins your day, right? Like, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> okay, well, I don't get to slow down your day. Exactly. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, all right, well, now I have yeah. to remember. We know when... Apple's trying to get their stuff done, but we're trying to get ours done. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, this is great, and I can point to the ten radars I filed today as like this is what I got done today. But in the end, it doesn't move our purposes forward. Sure. Right. We don't in the OmniGraph whole release notes write, Ray, file 10 radars. <laughs> oh, yay, I'm going to buy OmniGraph whole. Right. So this whole being on the bleeding edge of the DevTools thing was kind of a, I mean, not new to me, but certainly it's the first time I'd done it in quite a while. Mm. And it was a little shocking to file radars and get responses. Oh. Like, within a week. I was like, <gasps> wow, that's, they care. that's pretty good timing. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little shocked. I'm like, usually if I get a response in the next year, I'm excited. And I understand because there's a lot of stuff and oh, sure. that's just coming back. And a lot of my radars are, guys, this looks funny and I don't like it, you know. And mm. this was, guys, this control does not work in dark mode. Right. You you need to look at this, you know. And so there was a lot more, a lot shorter of a feedback cycle, which was really cool. I was kind yeah. of excited about that. And there were certain ones where it was like, Hey, they fixed it. I don't have to work at a workaround. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. I wish they would do this for me all the time. <laughs> and then there's a couple where I'm still dreaming that maybe they're going to fix things. <laughs> the poor predicate editor and the sheets. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've heard something about, well, and as predicate editor, for our listeners who don't know, it's whenever you're setting up like a filter or something and you have... um like rules and you can add and subtract rules. It's probably the NS predicate editor, which is a control made by Apple. And it's notoriously odd. It's definitely odd and it's very fussy. If you want to look at one, if you look at smart mailboxes in your mail.app on macOS, that uses a predicate editor okay. to set up the rules for these are the mails that should show up in this box. It's a it's a complex control visually. Mm-hmm. And apparently we're the special snowflake who put them on sheets rather than in a window itself. Okay. It revealed the fact that predicate editors don't quite have the right vibrancy settings when they're set on uh, a, a... sheets are translucent, I yeah. guess, right? right? There's actually a special material that is a sheet material. Mm-hmm. And Apple does that to kind of make all of their UI look consistent, which is fine, but... It made all of the text stand out funny and all the controls be the wrong color because mm. the background of the control thought it was one thing and the text and the sub controls, the, the drop downs and things thought it was another. So that was awkward. Mm. So what'd you do? Just use a separate window instead of a sheet? <laughs> no. Or just say, well, darn? Or... Uh, so, and it's funny because Ken came across the same problem mm. and we fixed it in two different ways. And I haven't gone That's in. engineering for you. I know, right? I haven't gone and changed my solution, although I might. What I ended up doing was walking the view hierarchy and slipping an NS effects view into inside of the predicate editor's scroll view. Okay. 
Is that NS Visual Effects for you? Yes, yeah, that okay. guy. All right. And setting the material there because inside the scroll view, if you if you do that, suddenly everything's like, oh, oh, I'm on a sheet. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't getting that that sheetness uh, message all the way right. through. Ken found that if you set the background color to clear, you get the same effect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should go back out my fix, but... It's the slightly smaller fix, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I had done a little bit of surrounding work elsewhere to get it to behave nicely in non-dark mode related ways mm-hmm. on the new OS, and I'm worried that if I do that, it'll break it. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes there's benefit in just like, it's working. It's working, don't touch. Don't touch, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's all, I mean, it's all well documented, right? Like I've got my radar number and a comment in the code and sure, the yeah. bug number. And right. so, you know, if five years later me comes along and is like, what is even going on here? I left hints. Mm-hmm. It'll cool. be a fun uh, scavenger hunt. Somebody else even too. But if there's hints, there's hints. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so, kind of, in a lot of ways, that's, that's the job, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you did dark mode and graffle and then... You were lent over to the OmniPlan team for a while to do dark mode. Now, I imagine since you'd done it once in a big app on OmniPlan, you could just zip through it in a day, right? <laughs> uh, certainly not a day. It took me, I mean, it wasn't just dark mode. I worked on dark mode, but also some general Mojave support bugs and then helped them get there. All of the version numbers are very confusing, but the current version that they were trying to get out the door mm-hmm. shipped as well. So there was a little bit of multitasking, but. It was definitely not a day-long task. Were the solutions very much the same or very different between the two apps? Some of them were the same. The most interesting, which actually I covered a bunch of it with Graffle in general, was making sure that all of our image resources and the relevant colored resources were in asset catalogs, Okay, which are a cool trick, and I like them. If only Apple would let us search in them, everything Mm. would be wonderful, but... File a radar? Jake has one open. Okay. Somebody did. I haven't yeah. duped it yet so many hours in the day. Yeah. But that's the only challenging bit is if I need to go find an image, I have to know where I put it. Ah, right. So there was a little bit of a challenge of like, okay, I know it makes sense to me. How do I name all this so it makes sense to everyone else? Mm-hmm. But moving all of our, our images, all of our button images and the toolbar pictures and the, oh, this is the little round corner that we use to draw the edge of the void of time in like before the project starts and plan and all of these things all had to be looked at, placed in the right spot, named properly. And then while I was there, I got rid of a bunch of no longer used resources, which was nice. Always good. And then I had to go back and forth with Joel about, okay, this one needs to get a dark mode version. This one Mm -hmm. we can just use uh, as a template. So the idea then behind asset catalogs, correct me if I'm wrong, for any given image, you can put in two or more. And <laughs> two. Then you, yeah. Well, or, well, I Six. guess you have retina and non. Or 12. And four different yep. modes. Yeah, it gets right. But it then gets it'll pick nasty. But you use one name and then it will, you say, I want the one named whatever, and it'll pick the right one yeah. for the context. Okay. Exactly. All right. And it actually doesn't just hold images, which is cool. It also holds colors, which are the two main things that we're using it for. But Mm. it will pick the right resolution. So the 1x, 2x, 3x version of an image. And then you can also set a dark mode image. So now you've got 
six of them. Mm-hmm. And if you need to be more clear, you can make a high contrast version of your icon. So now you've got okay. 12 of them, right. potentially. Um, <laughs> and then light mode, high contrast. Uh-huh. Well, that, yeah, that's how you ended up okay, at 12 because six twice. Uh, <laughs> math! Yes. Math! <laughs> I just write for the blog. I'm I know, right? Doing a podcast. I don't know, <laughs> But yeah, so there was a, the beginning of it was just a lot of shuffling resources around. And then the next step was looking for where we had used a very specific color and we could move to a more general color. So we could go from NS color, black color to NS color, text control color, okay. and then let the system decide, well, that should be black, that should be white, that should be gray mm-hmm. and adjust at the appropriate times. And that's what you meant by uh, Joel saying, just use what the system provides. Exactly. And they actually provide a good gambit of things. One of the cool things actually that they did was in Mojave, you can choose an accent color. Mm -hmm. So where in High Sierra and below there's, it's always been the blue, right? That apple blue that the, your highlight selection, but also the little arrows on your popovers Mm -hmm. and things like that. In Mojave, you can adjust that color. It can be purple. It can be green. It can be yellow. Mm. I run with orange, actually, personally. See, there you go. Uh, I switched to purple because it was the least offensive one that I could find. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I may not be able to pick matching colors, but I definitely have feelings when they're wrong. (laughs) So they let us have access to that color as well. Mm -hmm. So we could do things like make our tabs on the inspectors in Graffle be highlighted in your control accent color rather than in just blue. So everything looks like it matches. It's more visually coherent, I guess is the, the proper phrase. But I, that was one of those like little things where I was like, okay, it's not just that I got it back to looking right. It looks better now. Good job. (laughs) As it should. Yeah. Now, if I recall correctly, since I used to work on outliner, Mm -hmm. OmniPlan, and Outliner share a bunch of code. and They do. Oh, goodness. And, <laughs> yes. And Outliner, at least the main outline content, is built with layers rather than views. And if I remember right, you have to set a CG color instead of an NS color on layers. So did you run into this problem when dealing with OmniPlan? Oh, yes. Mm. So both Layers plan, ruin everything. Layers. layers. Okay, layers are kind of cool. Okay. Let me let me let all me right, defend right, layers. Right. They're kind of cool, um, and they provide a lot of flexibility. But yeah, I really wish they didn't take CG colors mm. because if they'd taken NS colors, I could have handed it the dynamic color that you know with control text color. Here we go, and it would have been Apple's problem to switch it at the right time. Sure, but since it takes a CG color, those are not set up to be flexible in the same way. Right, so. Instead, I had to pay attention to when things changed and update those layers colors, which I lucked out somewhat because a lot of that turned out to be user color content. Mm. So all we had to do was say, just "Just don't touch it. It's fine. But there were a couple little corners, most particularly in plans dashboard view, where we did want to change the color because even though we were using the same class, we were showing content that was more general and shared over multiple documents. And there was not a good way to decide what the user would have wanted there. Okay. So then I had these layers that sometimes I wanted to be dynamic with the system and sometimes I didn't. Mm. So it needed to, to respond to the system changes sometimes, but 
Other times it needed to obey the user. And the difference was which window is it in? Mm -hmm. So that was particularly challenging because we had pulled some shenanigans many a year in the past to avoid an Apple bug. And so we were tricking the view into thinking that a layer that we had created and handed to it was a layer that it had created and held on to for itself. Mm-hmm. That plus the fact that there are only certain times when the uh, OS's concept of what its current appearance is can be trusted okay. made some interesting timing problems. Mm. And for all but two or three cases, I was able to go along with what Apple says. This is how we expect you to do this. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple places where we had to uh, get a bigger hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Which is frustrating sometimes, but it all looks nice now. Yeah, good. I, uh, I've certainly <laughs> written methods with names like apply the big hammer now. Right. Yeah. When OmniGraffle tweeted about releasing its dark mode version, I copied the tweet and I sent it to my family group chat. Mm-hmm. And my stepmom goes, I wish I understood what you did. <laughs> and, and I kind of laughed and I took a screenshot of OmniGraffle in light mode. And I said, it used to look like this. And now it looks like the screenshot in the tweet. And she goes, Oh, that looks better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, good enough. (laughs) Your daughter is the sorceress of darkness. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) She's like, it's fine. The other one's giving me grandkids, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, both are good. Yeah, you know, whichever. (laughs) So life before Omni. You're you're from California, as I understand. Like middle-ish? Yeah, so... I often describe home as the Texas of California, Mm. which... Cowboy hats and trucks and everything? Mm -hmm. I went to a high school that had a magnet program for agricultural science. Oh, okay. And there were definitely rifle racks and cowboy hats and shoe circles in in jean pockets Mm. and the whole nine yards there. It's funny. Every time I go back, I forget how very conservative and rural it is. And then I drive Mm. through and I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember this. I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in Tracy, which is. Oh, Tracy, of course. Of course. Everyone yeah. Tracy. yeah. Uh, if I'm talking to a Californian, I say if you're in the Bay Area and you're heading to camp out in the Sierras, it's just after the windmills. And then everybody lights up because they know exactly they what know I'm talking about. Yeah, right? right. Oh, it's where we stop for in and out. Of course. <laughs> if I'm talking to people who are not Californians, I generally tend to tell them it's. East of San Francisco and south of Sacramento. So if you okay. draw draw lines, it's like smack dab in the middle of the state. And I went to school about 20 minutes, 30 minutes up the freeway from there okay. uh, in Stockton, which no longer is the murder capital of the U.S., but was. Wow. <laughs> school was that bad that oh, yeah, made everyone murderous? <laughs> no, the school is actually, it's a relatively small private school, University of the Pacific. Okay. And so the school itself wasn't that bad. It was kind of trying to be West Coast Ivy League. Mm, all right. Which was weird when you kind of looked at the uh, wealth distribution as you got off campus. Mm, sure. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we made it work and we got out after our four years and can't say that either my husband or I terribly miss it. <laughs> so uh, computer science degree, I take it. Yeah, I started as a mechanical engineering major Mm -hmm. on the five-year plan, as all engineering majors are. Naturally. It's just better built. (laughs) 
I wouldn't say that, but turns out you need time to shove all that math and science into people's heads. Yeah, yeah. So I was almost two years through my degree and most of it general education was starting to get into the more specialized things, taking my thermodynamics classes and my mechanics and materials classes. And I realized that I was bored. So, Mm. so bored. And it wasn't that engineering is bad or that mechanical engineering was terrible or anything, but I just, it was not. Wasn't for you. It wasn't lighting up those, like, this is what I really feel Mm. important doing brain centers. And at the time, one of those GE classes was a coding class. And we're talking C on the command line on a Solaris Sunray. If it was good enough for Abraham Lincoln, it's good enough for us. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So that was kind of fascinating, especially because John did start as a CS major. And so I was watching him work his way through his intro classes. We'll identify John as your husband. Indeed. Mm -hmm. At the time, he was just the boyfriend, but he got a promotion. And so I knew that there was stuff that I could continue on this, this like half a semester's worth of, of C programs on the command line that like looked a lot more interesting. So, you know, I uh, escaped the engineering school and was I promptly. I love that C on the command line just seems like the shiny fun thing in comparison to what you were doing. You know. Because to most people, they'd be like, oh God, no, don't even make me. Even well, those programmers. <laughs> yeah. You know, while I was while I was making this decision, I was doing a group project in my material science class that involved heating aluminum for and then checking its hardness at predefined intervals of time. So I was literally setting an alarm clock for 3 a.m. to go to a lab and put on heat-proof gloves uh-huh. and take a one-by-one square of aluminum out of an oven so I could poke it with something and see how hard it was. <laughs> And let me tell you, see on the command line seemed a lot yeah, cooler than that. I see the appeal. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Hey, hey, aluminum yeah. is important. I know, I know. I know, but 3 a.m. aluminum yeah. tapping. Uh, was not my jam. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. uh, how'd you end up meeting the Omni folk and ending up here? Well, so I finished my degree and thank goodness for those two years of engineering prep, mostly transferring over to CS requirements and GE requirements. So I still made it out in four years. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. Nice. And I was schlepping along in a horrible, horrible job mm. doing database migration and tech support for a tiny law firm. And John and I had gone to Macworld. Oh, yeah. This was, God, it had to have been in 2005. And the Omni booth, everybody was in like lab coats and goggles. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to say we weren't shopping for jobs, although I don't think it was our primary reason for going. Mm. There's something cool about going to trade shows and just kind of like looking to see what's there. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, they had a little games corner at the time and mm-hmm. we're nerds. So, yeah. you know, ooh, the new Civ is coming is always going to get <laughs> me excited. And I met Canon and was like, Oh, yeah, I just graduated. And, you know, he's like, we're hiring. You should check it out. And so I did. You know, I sent him my application and my resume and kind of freaked out a little bit. I got a call back. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Like, I know these people. They write cool software. I've used it. And they want to talk to me. And it won't be working for lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> and so they flew me up here to Seattle to talk to him and interview. And that was the first time I had ever been on a plane. 
Wow. My mom was kind of phobic about it, so oh, okay. I had never she flown. Never took anywhere, and yeah. I mean, we went places. We just went in the car. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm like off for this like air quotes big deal interview, and I'm, I have no idea what to expect because the job that I had I'd gotten pretty much through nepotism. Mm. <laughs> and I'm flying, and I'm all by myself in a new city, and it was like a huge experience. Yeah. You'd never flown into an airport before because you'd never flown. Right. I was like, I have. And so I flew out of Oakland, Mm -hmm. which is. I've not been to the Oakland airport. It's not great, but it Mm. could be worse. They're they're doing construction on it right now. So don't go now. a lot. It's not pleasant. But I came into SeaTac and it was just this like maze of I have no idea what's going on. Right. And there's kind of like that haze that I went through my entire day. And it was like, I'm someplace new and I don't know anybody, but. Mm I'm going to do the best I can. And I mean, I got hired, so (laughs) it can't have been too bad. Congratulations. 13 years later or whatever. (laughs) Hooray. Yeah. So I uh, packed my stuff in a truck and headed up here. Told my family, hey, I'm moving two states away. So see ya. Mm -hmm. Which they mostly took well. Yeah. (laughs) And I've been up here ever since. Wow. John moved up about six, eight months after I did. He was a semester behind me in school, so okay. he had to hang around in He's Stockholm. He's a little slow. Oh, now. Uh, I'm totally Hey, now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, let, let the record show that John's my friend and he's intelligent. True facts. Mm-hmm. It was weird living in a state by yourself when you didn't know anybody. Yeah, right. Sure. There was definitely some like comfort book shopping for a while. Mm. The office was right behind... The, oh my gosh, what's it called? The little mall place where the Apple store is. Uh, University Village. Yeah. Yeah. So the office at the time was behind University Village and they had the only Barnes and Noble that I had any idea where was. Ah, yeah. And so I would like work my day and then go shop for cheap paperbacks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Somehow I imagine Omni back in those days just paying everyone in singles at the end of the day. (laughs) You go off and buy a paperback book and (laughs) and call it a night. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not quite like that, but. It was interesting being relatively young coming to Omni. Mm. They hadn't hired an engineer in quite a few years at that point. Okay. I think that the next senior engineer to me is Andrew, and he had been there for oh, wow, yeah. over five years at that time, point. At least, yeah. Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, maybe even before that. I'm pretty um, sure. yeah. So there was kind of a little bit of this like, oh, what a cute baby. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one of my friends who used to work here doesn't anymore really liked laughing because they brought me to a bar for the first time Mm. because there's not much in the way of casual drinking establishments in the valley right you know i mean i wasn't really like let's go to the card room you know Mm -hmm. Uh, um so it just wasn't something i had done wow First you fly, like, then you go to a bar. I wow, know. It geez. was like I was growing up in front of everyone's eyes. <laughs> it's amazing to me that you got all the way through college without. I'm not the, saying the, that no yeah. liquor happened, but yeah, right, Safeway so. is a godsend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do when you're not here wrestling with the colors and the predicate editors and the I do such. It's funny because I've gotten into a lot of things lately. Like it's just my my interests have been diversifying a lot lately. For the last year, I've been trying to spend two or three nights a week at the climbing gym, scaling walls, falling mm. off of things, mm-hmm. trying hard not to be too injured about it. <laughs> okay. I assume there are 
some safety things there are involved? okay yes and the people so otherwise, that I, I was not gonna like this at all no the the people that i climb with are big into we do things right and we do things safe okay. so we're not just throwing ourselves at a wall and like falling down onto a little crash pad mm-hmm. okay <laughs> thankfully it's been interesting because so i climb with tom mm-hmm. and i climb with snack and okay. to give you an idea tom is what Six and a half feet tall. Yeah. This tall, lanky guy. And I'm. He can reach the next thing and nobody Yeah. And I'm 5'2 on a good day. Right. Right. And then my friend Christina is very slightly taller than me, but weighs mm, probably half as much and is twice as bendy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So it's this, it's a problem solving game. Okay. Right. And everybody solves it different because everybody has that different, that a different body to solve the problem with. Mm So if I'm having trouble with something, sometimes Tom will try to pretend that he's five foot two to help, okay. like to make suggestions. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen this man climb up 15, 20 feet up a wall and then like squat and pull his elbows in to try and see <laughs> how much he would reach <laughs> if he were me. Uh-huh. And it's, it's not often helpful, but it is always hilarious. Always hilarious. <laughs> It's been a good way to be competitive with myself without being competitive with other people, Mm, which is important for me in exercise because I'm just running. Times aren't good enough for me to keep engaged, like Mm, especially like Jim runs half marathons and things. And I'm like, I would be so bored. Like I cannot just do this thing for three hours where it's the same thing over and over. Mm. At least when I'm climbing, like it's a different problem. Every move is a different challenge. Mm. I, the interesting thing is kind of if you if you're wrong, there are hopefully non-injurious, but there are consequences. Right. You either climb yourself into a corner that you can't make the next move from or you fall off mm-hmm. and are caught by a rope. Everything is fine and safe. OK. Right. <laughs> but it makes it when you solve it right. It's this huge accomplishment. You're like, I am at the top of this wall. I have my fingers over the top. Yeah. And I have, you know, yelled my commands to let my belayer know to grab me. And now I can do the celebration dance while I get lowered down. <laughs> it's all very dignified. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So at home, you got dogs or cats? <laughs> we have two cats. And they're, so we adopted cats from a shelter. One is a tiny tuxedo cat. He's like maybe eight pounds. And he has a white stripe down the middle of his forehead and his nose. Mm-hmm. And so his name came from the shelter as Blaze. All right. And you didn't name him Blaze. I did not clear. name came him Blaze. He came from the shelter with the name Blaze. Mm-hmm. And the other one, he is three times as big. He's just this total porker of a cat. Mm. And he has these little black scallops across the edge of his nose, which apparently when he was a kitten were individual dots. And okay. so they named him Speckles. Hmm. John kept slipping Speckles to be Sparkles. All right, sure. And he put his foot down. He's like, no, we cannot have a pet named Sparkles. I I can't do it. It's a great name for a cat. (laughs) So we shortened Sparkles to Spark. Mm, Okay, so Spark and Blaze. So Spark and Blaze. And one of my friends, God, like five or six years later, after we've adopted these cats, they've been in our lives for eons, goes, did you name your cats stoner names? (laughs) (laughs) We're like... No, but now that you mention it, oops. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have us well trained. Mm. Um, 
their like nightly routines. Like at 11 o'clock, I have to make sure the bedroom door is open so that Spark can come get his cuddles. Mm -hmm. And then he lays and supervises reading until John comes to bed. Oh, sure. And Blaze has his particular position on the pillow where it is appropriate to get pets at night. And Mm -hmm. after that, you should leave him alone. Sound like very good cats. They are quality felines. QFs. Indeed. Well, on that note, I will say thanks, Ray. How can people find you on the web? You can find me on the web most easily on Twitter, which is at Noth, N-O-T-H-E. What does that come from? Uh, N-O-T-H-E. World of Warcraft. All right. <laughs> I mentioned I was a nerd. <laughs> no, yeah, that's quite right. You're not the first, by I the know, way, right? on, the, on the show. So. I always feel bad when people follow me from tech stuff because I don't talk about coding on my Twitter. I talk about the cats and I talk about what I'm crafting that day. I'm doing Inktober right now. So Mm. there's drawings up there and I retweet angry political things. But Mm. if you want tech stuff, I'm not your person. If you want slice of life stuff, come along for the ride. got many slices. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And oh, sorry. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I feel threatened. <laughs> <laughs> and especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.